How many of you have ever lost anything? Anything of significance? Like your mind or your senses or common sense or... I went, uh, ran down the Kroger's this week. I was picking up some things for our men's barbecue. And I pulled in and Ed, I saw a shopping cart right in front of my truck, so instead of crashing into it, I figured that I'll just grab this shopping cart and uh, save me from grabbing another one. So when I got out, uh, Carol, I looked in the, in the basket part of the shopping cart and there was a purse with a set of keys hanging on the one end for, you know, it wasn't Carol's car, okay? And a cell phone in the side pocket. So I immediately, Nancy, started looking around to see if I was on candid camera or, you know, and, and, and so I, I picked up the purse and I said, well, I'm going to be a good representative of Jesus Christ. So I took the purse into the customer services powder Kroger and uh, stuck my business card in there next to the cell phone. Figured the lady might figure out that she lost her purse at Kroger's and she left it in the cart. Sarah, I can only imagine a woman without a purse is like a man without his mind. Can you say amen? amen. And so I returned the purse to the customer services department, gave it to them. I figured I could trust them with it. And I've not heard a word yet. Maybe the purse is still there. Did you ever lose something and then not look for it? A few weeks back, this cufflink was laying in the center aisle. I thought perhaps, James, you're here. I'm glad you are because you skipped out on me in the first service. I thought maybe this cufflink belonged to the gentleman that usually sits here. And so I asked him, did you lose a cufflink? And he asked his wife, and she said, no, you haven't lost any cufflinks. And so, James, I'm wondering if it's one of your cufflinks. You're good. So somebody has lost something and, and has not had enough uh, desire to look what, for what they lost. If this is your cufflink, I want you to know that I have it in the name of Jesus. You can pick it up after the service. I, I got in the car today because Linda's got my truck, and I looked on the floor, and there's a pair of her earrings I see that she lost. I better keep those. I have here, and we have here at the church, a lost and found box. See the sign? If we never emptied this, this box would not be big enough. At the end of every month, if you don't collect the stuff that you've lost, it goes goodbye. And so I thought this week, because I'm preaching a message on lost, as you can see, I thought of looking about of what's in this lost and found box. There's a lot of interesting things in here. There's a couple of articles I will not bring out of here. But here's an interesting thing. There's six Bibles. How do you lose your Bible and not look for it? I think the Bible, God's word, is more important than a cufflink. Can you say Amen. There, I heard that. There, there is six pairs of glasses. How did you drive home? Yeah, I, I put them all in the bag. There are six pairs of glasses in here. So if you're missing a pair of glasses, Carol, uh, I might be in here. I thought this was interesting. 
It's filled with rings and things. Bracelets and an Italian keychain. Uh, might belong to Sam. Rings, earrings, watches, bling blings. This might be Dawn's, I don't know. Um, it's funny, after the first service, I had all these women coming up here looking to see if what they've lost is in this little, what I call, bling bling box. I know, I know it's there. All right, there's also here, looks like a pancake batter uh, bowl. Uh, somebody forgot a bowl that's here too, yeah. Lost. Remember many years ago, we took the whole family down to Florida and we went to uh, Universal uh, down there. Uh, how many of you have ever gone to Universal down there and the rides? Don't go on that first one, it'll wrench your neck for the rest of the day. I'm just telling you, I'm just warning you. At that time, Eli was seven years old, and, and you know, Frank, the masses of people that are down there, and it's just chaos down there. So you're trying to keep tabs, tabs on everybody, and we're about halfway through the day fighting the Florida humidity and the Florida heat and trying to get near water whenever we could, and we realized Eli was missing. How many of you know it's not a good thing to lose a child at Universal Studios in, in oh my. We were frantic. Eli, at age seven, had enough sense to go into a shop, tell the worker, I'm lost. And then they were able to contact us through their walkie-talkie system, and we found the lost child. We were thankful that we found him. Now he's taller than me. I don't know if I'm thankful for that or not yet, but... But yeah, he was found. Thank God he was found. It's interesting that a child can have more sense about being lost than people. It's sad that people can be lost. And what's even sadder, we can have lost loved ones and not even look for them, not even pray for them, not even reach out to them. Jesus, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, said this. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake, and a large crowd soon gathered around him, and he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. And he told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. If you study the Gospels, you will see that Jesus was the master storyteller. Through his parables, or short stories, he conveyed spiritual truths, spiritual dynamics, and the message of the kingdom. So this morning... We want to look at just a couple of short stories, and hopefully you will have ears to hear. Fathers, we bow our heads today. We pray in the name of Jesus that you would open our hearts and open our minds, open our spiritual senses to the critical issue of lostness. Lord, I pray 
as we look today at the lost and found chapter, that we will grasp the importance of not ignoring lostness, but Lord, to show due spiritual diligence to do our part to make a difference for your name and for your glory in Jesus' name. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, Jesus gives us three short stories that deals with this matter of the lost. The three themes is the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Number one here, write it down on your worksheet. Write down the lost sheep. When we first got married, the original ring that I gave Linda had a very nice solitary stone on it. Almost a carrot, so I thought it was pretty valuable. She did too. But Rod, for some reason, over a number of years, she wanted to add some stones. You know, Dr. Charles, that's how women are sometimes. That's okay. Her birthstone is emerald, so we got her setting reset with, with three emeralds on both sides of her diamond. She always wore that with pride. One Sunday morning, we were getting ready, Nancy, for church. And I was in the kitchen getting a cup of joy, and I heard a gasp in the back of the house and, and found she had lost one of her emeralds. And I know that it had to have been the Holy Spirit because I just felt prompted. And where, where do you find a lost emerald in a house with shag carpeting? I mean, back then in the early, our shag carpeting was that thick back in the day. Like spaghetti noodles everywhere. And Sam, I felt prompted to go over to the kitchen sink. We had a double kitchen sink. The drain was on the left side. The garbage disposal was on the right side. And I just I felt prompted to go over and look down the hole of the garbage disposal. And on that center plate, you know, it's got all those little drain holes for the water. Right next to the drain hole was the emerald. Frank, this is what I did. I quick put some chewing gum in my mouth, chewed it up real fast, stuck the chewing gum on the end of a straw, and very carefully, very carefully dabbed that emerald and pulled it out. And how many of you know I was somebody's hero when I took her her emerald? <laughs> and I don't know why, but then I had to get a new setting so where the emeralds were channeled instead of being up on prongs, and so she hasn't lost any more since, praise the Lord. But the lost sheep, we're talking about things that are lost that are precious. Jesus said, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety and nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and then goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven 
over one sinner who repents than the 90 and 9 who do not need to repent. Just take a moment, look around. I'm talking to the Lakeside family right now. Who's missing? Who's missing? I'm not talking about pastor. Do you ever think about some of the other sheep that, so many that I contact on a regular basis, why they're not here today? Do we not recognize that all of them are important to the kingdom? Ever think about, oh, I haven't seen brother so-and-so, or I haven't seen sister so-and-so. Have you ever thought of reaching out to find out why? Reaching out and to be extensions of his everlasting arms to rescue, to restore, to reconnect those who are so precious to us. You know, you all know I love the outdoors. I love watching the Discovery Channel, and I love watching the adventures in Africa, especially the savanna where the wildebeest and the herds and the zebras and the herds will be running to, to the water. But they also show the predators that are waiting in the bushes, the lions. And if you notice, you never see the lions attacking the herd because there's security, there's safety in the herd. Can you say amen? amen. Who do the lions pounce upon? The ones who stray. The ones who wander. And they become breakfast. You see, friends, the church is the herd. There's safety in the herd. There's protection in the herd. And I think it was Peter that said that our adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Let's look today for a second at the heart of the shepherd. Our shepherd, of course, is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Can you say amen? He cares for the sheep. He nurtures the sheep. He leads the sheep into green pastures. He leads the sheep beside refreshing waters and streams. He will protect the sheep. And this is what I like. He knows his sheep by name. David, you're not a number to Jesus. You're David. Arden, you're not a number to Jesus. You're Arden, he calls you by name. 
Every single one of you, he whispers your name. He knows you. He loves you. He embraces you. He pursues you because he is the good shepherd. Can you say amen? amen. And when you have a proclivity to stray, the Lord doesn't have the attitude, well, that's your problem. No, he pursues us with great passion and purpose. He always pursues his lost sheep. Point B here, because Jesus is the good shepherd. You can read it there in John chapter 10. talks awful lot about the shepherding heart of Jesus. He is the door to the sheep. He leads us. He laid down his life for us so that we could know abundant life. And his sheep know his voice. And the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Let me ask you a question today. Somebody who's watching on TV today, whose voice are you following? The Lord's or the enemy of your soul? Whose voice are you listening to? Because that voice would determine whether you stay in the herd or you stray into the world's nonsense. Point C, sheep can wander into strange clover. And when you stray, the Lord takes notice. A few years ago, I had a man bring me this little red box. This is one of my, I call it a treasure box. He said, Pastor Hal, I want to give this to you as a gift then I will explain as you look at what's in the inside of this box the significance of the items. Inside of this treasure box, there's a beautiful timepiece. He said, I'm giving you that timepiece. It's got a buck on it, praise the Lord. Because of the timeliness of God's word and the teaching of God's word. He said, there's also a little tool in here which represents the, the working tools of the ministry. This has got, I opened this thing up, it's got a whole bunch of little things in there. And then there's another thing in this little treasure box, which I thought was kind of strange, John, at the moment. It's a nine millimeter bullet. This is a bullet that was in the chamber of the gun whose muzzle was in his mouth. And he said, just before I pulled the trigger, 
I remembered a class of yours that I sat in and I was convicted by the Holy Spirit and I took the gun out of my mouth, removed the bullet out of the chamber and, and I repented of my sin. I come back to God and the Lord restored me. And I'm here today to give you this treasure because of your faithfulness to God's word and his pursuit of my soul. Mine is the life that is saved. So that's the story of the treasure box. Every soul church, every sheep is a treasure. But sadly, there are those that stray from the herd and they are vulnerable to the predators. People will stray into strange clover. They will stray into the world's nonsense. They will stray and have stinking thinking. They will stray and then have wrong attitudes. They will stray and then have reasons why they don't come to church anymore. They will stray and they think, well, I can do it my way. I'm going to live according to the gospel of Frank. I can stray. They can stray into strange clover. I'm here to tell you there's only one shepherd and there's only one pasture and it's his pasture and his plan is the church. There's safety in the church. There's security in the church. There's discipleship in the church. There's faith partners in the church. There's worship in the church. It's the church where you need to be. And I'm here to tell you that there's great rejoicing in heaven. Not over the herd, but over you when you come home. Can you say amen? amen. Number two, the lost coin. This is another one of my little treasures. This is one ounce. It's a liberty one ounce, 0.9999 silver. I have it encased. It's protected so that when I'm touching it, it doesn't tarnish from my finger stains. And this is a, uh, an anniversary gift that was given to Linda and I several years ago. And so I have this in my office, and one day a LaRue, a lady with a little boy, came in to see me, as often many people do, and the little boy saw the shininess of the coin, and Nancy, he ran over and he grabbed it. She panicked. I said, let him play with it. He can't hurt it because it's, it's, it's in the plastic cover. We talked for a while, and we prayed, and Teresa, she, she and the little boy left, and it was hours later, I looked over, and where the case where my coin sits, the coin was missing. Now, Anthony, I admit, these were my thoughts. The boy pocketed my coin. <laughs> you would have thought that too. I'm panicking. Well, there's a lot of dark crevices and places in my So I got the flashlight out, and, I'm, and I found the coin in between my bookshelf and my filing cabinet wall, he must have dropped it. And when the light hit the coin, it exposed the hiding place. And I still have the coin. 
Let's look at the second story that Jesus gave about a lost coin. Luke 15, 8. Suppose a woman has seven silver coin and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And once she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice for me, I have found my lost coin. Now capture what Jesus says here. In the same way, I tell you, there is great rejoicing in heaven in the presence of the angels when one sinner repents. I just want you to take a moment and think. Close your eyes. Who do you know that is lost? A son, a daughter, a spouse, a mother, a father, a loved one, a neighbor, someone in the first service called out a coworker. Who do you know that is lost? Open your eyes. Write it down. A woman who loses one of her treasures. In this Jesus story here, we see he's talking about one of ten silver coins. Perhaps it was one of the coins of her circlet of coins of her crown. The piece of silver in the Greek here is drachma, a fourth of a shekel. Matthew Henry brings out that the word silver here is taken from the description of the desirableness thereof. This was silver that was mined out of the royal mines. And whenever silver is mined and the ore is brought out, Nancy, it's in the raw and needs to be refined. Just like you and me. And the refining process is a lifelong process. The end product is pure silver. How many of you know that's where God wants us all to get? Amen. This lady lost one of her silver coins. And point B, write it down. A soul is like silver. It's of intrinsic value. And when a soul is lost, friends, hear this, he notices. When one of our treasures here at Lakeside is missing, he notices. How many of you know the Lord doesn't want anybody missing from his church? Thank you. See, the desperate search. When I was looking for my silver ounce, Sam, I was desperate. And when I found it, I rejoiced. I restored it right where it was supposed to be. There are some people that are missing today 
that need to be restored in the name of Jesus. And I don't care what their excuses are because I've always said this, excuses are the nails that build a house of failure. The church is God's plan, not man's plan. Paul said, ye are the body of Christ, members in particular. We are interdependent upon one another. We need one another. The Bible says, by this shall all men know you are my disciples by your love. And Rod, when you are missing, I'm missing what you have to offer me. I'm missing your love, which I don't ever want to miss. We need one another. And the health and the vitality of the church is based upon the unity of the body. Can you say amen? What would happen if this foot decided to say, I'm not going to function anymore? Because I have a spiritual hiccup. I have a spiritual hangnail. I have a spiritual attitude. I have this and I have that and I'm feeling self-pity and I'm this and I'm having sinking thinking. And what would happen? How would I walk if this foot decided not to work? Do you ever think about the fact that you might be handicapping the body of Christ because of your absence? Do you ever think that maybe God wanted to work through you to pray gifts of healing upon somebody at this altar and because you are absent, that person misses their miracle? You see, the Word says that the life of the Spirit flows through the body unto the body. The hand cannot say unto the eye, I have no need of you. We need each other, period. That's not my word, that's God's word. The desperate search for God's treasures that are missing must be a passionate search by all of us, just not as pastors. When I lost my coin, it was the light that brought exposure. I wanted to, you to know that there's no greater light than gospel light. And as we preach God's word, as we shed light upon your darkness, it's going to drive back to darkness. Here's a problem. In John 3, 18 says this, this is their condemnation, that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Isn't it sad when people love error more than they know the truth, when people love darkness rather than, than they receive the freedom that is in the Holy Spirit, that people will embrace self-pity uh, other than the grace and the freedom that there is in the spirit of the living God. People would live, rather live in their chambers than be in the house of God where there's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Men love darkness rather than light and life. The Bible says this, 
that there's great joy in heaven when that which is lost is found. Can you say amen? Amen. A few weeks ago, I had saw via Facebook that there was a loved one that was in ICU in a coma. It was Thursday afternoon, and Charles, I had all these plans for the afternoon, all these things to do. I mean, my tick list was this long, and I got a text. So-and-so just come out of the coma. Can you go over and visit? They say it's time to make some decisions. I thought to myself, well, it's not convenient right now, man. I got this whole list of things I need to do. I mean, I got to call all these people that are missing. Because I call the missing sheep. I speak into the answering machines. I got all these things to do, but I just had a nudging in my spirit, Lee, to stop everything you're going and go over to the hospital. So I set aside my own agenda for the day, ran over to the hospital. This guy's in ICU, his wife's there, his son is there, and John, he was like a ripe plum waiting to be plucked. I like ripe plums. Can you say amen? (laughs) Colleen, to make a long story short, I had the joy of not only leading that man to Jesus, but his wife to Jesus, and his son to Jesus, and all three of them gave their hearts to the Lord right there in ICU. I don't care if there's nurses around. I don't care if there's doctors around. I don't care who's around. If they're ready to receive Jesus, you pray the prayer of faith. Oh, after we got them praying, there was tears. I mean, it's, when it's genuine, Bruce, there's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel it. His hair's growing. The, the tears show it's real. I learned a long time ago, tears are a language God understands. That's one of the great joys of being a, an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And so are you to lead someone through the sinner's prayer. So Sam, I was getting ready to leave, and the wife wouldn't let me go. She said, would you pray for healing? I forgot that. (laughs) Christina, sometimes we forget some basic things. And I swore that they mentioned they were getting ready to put him into hospice. So Anthony, I laid hands on him and I prayed gifts of healing. I said, Lord, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. He shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Well, the following Monday, I get a message from the wife and her message was this, prayer works. He's improving. So praise the Lord. I get a message from her this week. Thursday, as a matter of fact. Something about Thursdays. <laughs> He's no longer in ICU. He's been moved into rehab. Is improving day 
by day. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. Here's the point. There are times, friends, that God is going to give you a nudging. He has a habit of doing it in an inconvenient time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Set aside your daily agenda, your tick list of tasks, and follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit because you may be the conduit through which God wants to work a miracle for somebody else. I take great joy in this truth after all these years of service. Sam, I've never gone on a visit, never gone on an emergency where I've got these words, you're too late. Never had that happen. I pray to God I never do. And I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to be late. And, and friends, if the Lord gives you a prompting to go and to visit somebody or, or, or to go and give somebody a simple phone call and give them a word of, an, of, of, of encouragement and, and to bring love unto them, and don't delay. Do it today in the name of Jesus. Because there's great rejoicing in heaven when we allow ourselves to be Christ ambassadors and we're right on time for that soul that's in need. Number three, the wandering or lost son. We all know this story the story of the, the prodigal son. And let's go quickly through some points here that I want you to jot down about this lost one. And there may be someone that you know that is a lost son, a lost daughter, a lost loved one, a lost friend, coworker. But we see here a soul whose eye wanders towards the world. You see, the world is very enticing. The enemy knows how to tantalize your eye gate. The light of the body is the eye, Jesus said. And if that light is darkness, the whole soul is brought into darkness. There is a lot of bling-blings in the world that the enemy uses to entice our loved ones. Into arenas of depravity, depression, despair, and darkness. A soul who becomes a victim of stinking thinking. Well, I got my feelings hurt. Something took place, I just, it just didn't make sense to me.
And then you fall into self-pity. Hello. And you disconnect. And you stray and you wander away from the herd. Oh, guess who's in the bushes waiting to pounce on you? And I'm going to say it. You're too proud Too proud to face the music. Too proud to face the people that love you and try to dance around the reason why you've been absent. My Bible says pride comes before the fall. And I have been amazed over the years how people can fall away from God because of stinking thinking. Rationale, reason, and logic that does not line up with God's word. That's why Paul said casting down imaginations, taking captive every thought to the obedience. I said the obedience of Jesus Christ. And this is what Jesus said. This is my commandment that ye love one another. Period. Now I know I'm not always lovely. But you're still called to love me. That's not my word, that's his word. Now there might be some things, Rod, Rod, you know me pretty good. Now you haven't, you haven't confessed any of these things, but there might be some things that you may not like about me, but you still love me. This is my commandment that you love one another. Let me tell you something. The true test of love, Eddie, is not by you being perfect, but me getting past your imperfections and loving you irregardless of life. Irregardless of things that I may not understand or even agreement. I am called to love this brother, and I will love you no matter what until kingdom comes. Because that's God's word. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. He that loveth knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another, period. Period. A soul who wanders far away. Look around who's missing. There are people that are near and dear to us that have wandered away. Do we, do we love them enough to wonder why? Do we, want, do we love them enough to pray? Do we love them enough to search? Do we love them enough to reach out and try to touch them? Prayer is the very least that we can do. 
But sadly, so many of us don't even notice that they're missing. A soul who squandered life's blessings. I don't think there's any blessing in life. I'm getting hot. There's no blessing in life greater than the blessing of the church. The benefits of the church. The fellowship of the church. The teaching and the preaching of the church. There's nothing more significant in our lives than the church. The church is God's plan. But there are those, James, that just squander it. Remember years ago, I had a family, John and Eugenia, I poured my life into. I poured all the treasures in God that I had into the soil of those lives. James, I looked at that husband as a potential future head usher. Then all of a sudden, they disappeared. Never saw him again. Wandered into strange clover. Wandered into the world's fields. And all that could have been potentially in them by their choice was lost. Isn't that sad? Ever think of what your potential is in Jesus Christ? Ever think of what God could grow out of you? Do you ever think of what could be in you and through you if you put hands and feet on your faith? Friends, the sky is the limit. But there are those who walk away from life's richest blessings that's right here in the church. A soul who discovers very late the error of his ways. At least with the prodigal son, he came to a place where he realized the mistake he made. What's sad with so many of these, they never come to their senses. They never come back to God. They go into eternity lost. A soul who is found in life's pig pen. Well, I don't have time to go in all the pig pens of life. But you know what? That's all sin has to offer you is a pig pen. Where the pigs eat better than you. That's all your wandering will do, friend, is lead you to life's pig pen where all you have is nothing. A soul who comes to their senses. Let me, let me, I've asked myself this question many times. Why does it with some people, why does it take them hitting rock bottom before they come to their senses? 
At least here in this Jesus story, this prodigal son came to his senses. But friends, there, there are so many, so many that never come to their senses. And they remain in the state of lostness by choice. We see here in the wandering son a soul who humbly comes to the Father. Can I say this word to somebody today? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. He will lift you up from the world's mire. He will lift you up from your excuses. He will lift you up from your rationale and logic. He will lift you up out of depression and despair and the darkness that the enemy has entangled you in. He will lift you out of the darkness and bring you into his marvelous light. He will set your feet upon the rock of ages and stand you there and say, you are beloved. He will put a ring of identification on your finger and say, you are my son. All of your sins, all of your darkness, all of your strain is all under the blood of Jesus. That's what this is all about. But you have to humble yourself. But Pastor Hal, I I might have to explain to Jeff. Oh, who cares? Well, Pastor Hal, somebody might answer, ask me a question. Well, who cares? You're reconnected to Jesus. That's what matters. Can I give you a little Halism here? Opinions are like armpits. Everybody's got a couple of them. Can you say amen? But there's only one opinion that matters, and that's the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And on that day, I want to hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I do not want to hear him say, Depart from me. Depart from me. Depart from me. I never knew you. I want to hear, Well done. And so do you. We see a soul that is restored by amazing grace. Amazing grace. I love that song that says, My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. Oh, you know it too, don't you? So do you. I learned a song when I was a tadpole. It's the simplest song of all. And it wipes away all of our excuses all of our reasons, all of our logic, 
all of our self-pity, which is idolatry, all of our fear factors. You might know this song. And that's not the one Bill is playing because he don't know what I'm going to sing. That's okay. <laughs> Chuck, it goes just like this. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. We are weak. But he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Can you just give the Lord a clap offering of praise? The greatest love story ever told is the love of Jesus Christ. That God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. So that we could be reconciled unto God through faith in Jesus Christ. That none of us would have to live and go into eternity in the state of lostness. But we would be his eternal treasures that are found. There's coming a day, Malachi chapter 3 tells us, that God's going to bring together his treasures. His jewels. Which is you, and you, and you, and you, and you. And on that day... This age of grace is going to come to closure. And this is the age of grace. And then God is going to open the books. Father, today we bow our heads. We acknowledge your grace. We acknowledge your mercies. We acknowledge our total dependency upon your love, O oh Lord, through Jesus Christ. I pray, Holy Spirit, right now that you would speak to our hearts about lost sheep, lost coins, and upon prodigal loved ones, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. I received a letter one year from a lady that attended another church. Her marriage had grown cold and she got enticed by a co-worker that she worked with. Scott, she got involved with another man still went to church every Sunday. Isn't it funny what people do? You see, sin will make you stupid. Sin will make you a, a victim. Sin will make you lose your senses.
And in this letter that she wrote me, she said she was in church and her pastor said this, and I wrote it in my Bible along with a hundred other things I got written in there. The pastor said this, quote, you cannot live wrong and die right. She left the pig pen of sin and temptation, humbled herself before the Lord and repented of her sin. Know what repentance means? You stop sinning. She broke off the relationship, got right with God, got reconnected righteously with her husband the way it's supposed to be. Here's the point. You cannot live wrong and die right. I don't know how all of you are living. I know how some of you are living, and I rejoice, praise the Lord. But perhaps you're here today. You realize, although I may have come in with a smile, I know that in my inward man, there's some areas that I got to fix. I got to get right with God on. Well, every head is bowed and every eye is closed. This is church business. This is family business. This is eternity business. I'm in the life insurance business. You're here today and you say, there's some things I've got to repent of. There's some things that I've got to, I've got to get right with God on because I realize I cannot love wrong, live wrong and die right. If that's you, right now, put your hand up. I want to pray for you. Yes, 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 yes. In the balcony, yes, 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 I see that hand. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Keep those hands up. Yes, yes, yes. Praise the Lord. Yes, thank you. Holy Spirit still speaking. Amen. Amen. Everybody repeat this prayer after me. We're going to pray for these dear ones right now. Everybody pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I come to you just as I am. And Lord, I confess the error of my way. I confess that I am a sinner. But I believe that you are my Savior. Forgive me, Jesus, of all of my sins and cleanse me from my unrighteousness. From this day forward, I will do my best to live for you and I choose to make Jesus Christ my Lord today for time and forever. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's give him a clap offering to show our appreciation.